personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. When we're talking about health, you know, we talk about our physical health. Like before this podcast, before it aired, I actually get this. Today on the Bob Jeswald Show, I actually swam before I came in the studio. That's the true story. I had to do that to decompress, okay? And there's many ways to decompress. I'm a civilian, and uh, Joanne is a military spouse. I married in a military family, although we both didn't serve. But Joanne just got uh, done doing an Ironman in Tennessee. Joanne, how do you feel? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm still in one piece. Yeah, I knew it. That's right. And Joanne is on the road today with us on the Bob Jeswold Show, so she's She's going uh, uh, distance, and so is uh, our two guests here today as well. We got we got John Duffy in the house. He's with the Alabama Institute of Behavioral Health and Research. We don't have a lot of clinical um, psychiatrists or psychologists. So I want to make sure we clarify that. And Mark Hollis in the house too. These two guys are veterans, served our country well. They're our guests today because today on the Bob Jeswald Show, we're talking about mental health, and it is critical. And that's why John, you're sitting right there in your virtual set, which looks awesome, brother. Tell us about that. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, so as far as veteran goes, the, the, the culture itself is completely different than, than the average um, non-military related uh, population in our country. And so um, a lot of the traumas that they experience can be rather severe, and they're usually chronic. It's not just one. It's a multitude of them over time. And so it becomes a critical area where we use psychology to prepare soldiers for deployment, for combat engagement. We do that all the time. We're psychologically conditioning soldiers to engage. We kind of like to call it muscle memory when they're reacting, going straight to cover, concealment, engage, forwarding, covering, all of these things that are taking place before they deploy. This is all psychological preparation. The unfortunate thing is, is that when we bring them home, we don't deprogram them. We, we kind of have this habit of uh, discharging them and letting them go into the wild blue yonder, and they're still thinking in terms of uh, combat, and you have the hypervigilance that's related to post-traumatic stress disorder, where they're, they, we used to call it the thousand-mile stare, but now it's kind of like I'm looking for snipers. Um, they're looking constantly around their environment, and so their ability to adjust back to civilian life is someone, somewhat hindered. It's, it's almost impaired without some kind of coaching and, and, and assistance with, with what they've been through. Um, and I think there's something new that's come out. I think Tom, the executive director over at the Pastoral Institute, was giving a lecture at the Suicide Prevention Convention. That sounds almost like a, a poet. Um, but the, at this convention at Troy University, he was talking about something that a lot of counselors and psychologists are starting to take very seriously. Uh, it's something called moral injury. And moral injury is where we have a conflict between our inner core morals of what we have to do in combat okay. and what we're doing that's right for the defense of our nation. So sometimes we're forced to do things in the defense of our nation or our nation's interests that are strictly and absolutely violative of our core moral beliefs. And so we come back with that. And I think it's very interesting that we're starting to pay attention to that because research is beginning to start showing that most of our veterans who are motivated towards uh, thoughts or attempts or, you know, God forbid, completed suicides most of them are struggling more with moral injury and moral conflict inside than they are with the actual nightmares and memories of, of the engagements they, they went through. 20, and so that's, that's yeah. why Alabama Institute is here. Fantastic. 20 plus, I, I, I'll make sure I get the number, 24, 25 veterans are committing suicide day, uh, a, a week. Is it, is it weekly? Or is yes. It, yeah. 
It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is that's that's it doesn't make sense in a civilian part. Hard for us to understand. You know, Joanne mentally prepared for her Ironman uh, just mm-hmm. recently from the time of this podcast. Um, I'm preparing a different way. My stresses are different, but we're strictly talking about our veterans here today, so people understand that transitioning coming back into the civilian world is so critical. Civilians out there can get involved in so many different nonprofits. I'm involved with Gallant Few. It's a big umbrella. It does a lot of good stuff, even with Darby's Warrior Support, uh, DWS. Um, I work, yeah, it, phenomenal groups that even bring men, and we'll say women, but generally the, the SF Special Force type guys back into a duck hunting situation where they can decompress, be together, have guys like you, somebody from the Pastoral Institute type thing, um, talk to those guys, and sometimes they'll reveal something that might really rear its ugly head. You know, Mark and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago when you start thinking suicide. You start saying, hey, this guy is not thinking the right way. Corey Smith, you know, Run Ranger Run, how it started with Patriot Challenge now. Same thing. Comes back, wife leaves him, kid's gone, back to Indiana. What the heck's going on? I lost a guy over over in theater, and now i got to deal with this. And people, as a civilian, got to understand this. Um, so is it this is what we need to do. We, we need to is civilians kind of understand this a little bit, not trying to say we're not the site. And I want to make sure to clarify, clinically speaking, we need the clinical psychiatrists or psychologists, or or does this go both hand in hand to help our our men transition back in or a place to go to talk to someone like yourself? So so it it has to have a a multifold approach to each veteran, each soldier that's returning. Um, you need counselors. Now, I may sound a little biased because I'm in the counseling, I'm a licensed professional counselor. You need counseling psychologists or licensed professional counselors to do what a lot of people call the talk therapy. That's the, that's the sitting there. Tell me about it. Let's talk about that. Let's challenge some of these cognitive distortions. Or I hate to use the word distortions. I call them negative autocognitions that we're conditioned to believe about ourselves that can relate to either the moral injury or the PTSD or both because they're quite often comorbid uh, conditions for, for veterans when they come back. And so the psychiatry is involved. The concept here is, is that psychotropic medication has never been intended to be a long-term solution. It's intended to be a short-term, like a Band-Aid, and then you have the, the surgeons and the programmers, the clinical psychologists, social workers, and counselors who are sitting there helping them rewire or reprogram those autocognitions, that that SRC learning model that we've learned about so long ago, that stimulus response consequent, those consequences that that from certain reactions that we had in the battlefield that allowed us to survive were perfectly functional in the battlefield. But unfortunately, we're conditioned to respond to similar stimuli that when we get home, this, you know, like we hear a backfire and we all go down and one of us is yelling, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. That, that's a normal response. And I, and, and I know I, I can see Mark there and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably seen this too. And so it's, it's these conditioned responses we want to work on and you cannot fix that uh, with effects or, or Prozac or anything. What you can help with, with psychotropics is the imbalance of serotonin and norepinephrine that's needed for the person to overcome the physiological reactions to um, uh, memories that trigger the, the limbic system, the fight or flight system. So as we start teaching them and as they start learning these coping skills, we start tritating off on the psychotropic medications. That's the, that's the idea. That's, an, that's but unfortunately, I, We hear that a lot yeah. in these podcasts. It, you know, you don't want to over-medicate. Let's get to the root of the problem, so to speak, and, and give mm-hmm. these men and women uh, an opportunity to 
find a way to wean off of that, but just to get to the root of the problem and, and adjust. Because our, our, you said core morbidity. I thought that was interesting because we hear a lot of that during the COVID years and you start thinking somebody has a pre-existing condition. So when we come back from fighting and we come back from being active duty, we, we have this already predestined, if we're somebody who is in, and I'm not, I shouldn't take that away. I don't want to say that somebody who didn't necessarily go right into um, fighting, but somebody who maybe is a support group, because everyone's dealing with PTSD in different ways or another, and that's where okay. you come in, and you could pick up on it. So I don't want to diminish, you know, Mark, he's in Mogadishu with 10th Mountain. He's a, you know, Ranger, never had a chance to do anything. He's taken on fire like mad, and and now he's confronted with death, and, you know, all these thoughts in his head and protecting his guys. I mean, this is, it's, it's an mm-hmm. average person would be like, what in the, that's crazy. I mean, literally, um, you know, how do you deal with that? How, my father-in-law, my late father-in-law, it was in Operation Phoenix. I didn't know a darn thing about it until I read it, and it's it's disturbing. But these are things that I want people to understand, too. And, Mark, you and I talked about it, where it's not with the intent that our men and women in there, we have a mission, you you, you have a tac- tactical way of responding to these things. You're not going there intentionally. Hey, this is great. Let's kill. Let's kill. It's not about that. There's a proper way. Let me have you articulate that better than I could, because I think people have to understand this to get in the mindset of our men who have experienced this. Well, my personal opinion. Yeah, your personal opinion. My personal opinion associated with this is we focus on triage after the effect, and we have a hard time of really being able to put, and I'm going to use more of a religious context, the the full armor of God, so that they understand that the, the difference between killing and murder before they go to combat. And I, and I spent a lot of time with my guys talking about that particular portion there. And after uh, Mogadishu, I realized how important it was to make sure that folks understand that difference because it's, it's easy to go to war. It's hard to come back. I am blessed in the aspect of I've been very clear because I grew up with a, a – my father was a minister, uh, and I, I was very clear on the difference between killing and murdering. And I've never uh, had any kind of issues associated with – bad dreams or what have you. Now, do I get angry? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, does combat change you? Absolutely. The question is, how do you reset the new norm in you and how do you continue to function with that? Um, and that, you know, the VA, the Army, etc., has a tendency of focusing on the after side of stuff. And they're realizing that you really need to put something on on the front side, some of the consideration of others, aspects of stuff, crew, military aspects of stuff. There's a lot of other programs right now that are starting to come in and address exactly what John's talking about with regards to the moral aspect and ensuring that our soldiers understand the difference between killing and murder. And you're going to be called, or there's a high propensity that you're going to be called to do that. And you've got to be clear operating within the ROE and the rules of engagement Mm -hmm. And whatever the mission set is at that particular point in time, what you've got to do, and then you've got to be able to decompress with it afterwards, talk amongst each other, because that's the best time to do it is immediately afterwards, just sitting down and going. Like these gallon fuel, like I tell you, like Darby's War Support, like donating all money to a nonprofit to go duck hunting, sit there at sunrise. We talked to Dennis Smith about this, how engaging it, like you said, there's a moment that you guys could come together because you all relate to one another. That's all triage. That's that's dealing with it it after the fact. I'm talking in the aspect of before they go into combat and then immediately when they come out of combat. And I'll tell you, the best time, at least for me as a rifle team leader at that time, was guard duty in the middle of the night. 
when they're by themselves, just walking around and going and sitting down with them and going, how are you doing? Okay. And being able to say, have them articulate, you know, what's going oh, on. A lot of times they were just crying because they're having a hard time just dealing with, you know, they've come off of it. The adrenaline's dumped. They're now sitting in guard duty and they're wondering, hey, should I have killed that lady? Well, that, you know, and you can tell a soldier, well, I told you to throw the grenade in the room, you know, and that doesn't work. You know, it, they're, you know, they're going, I threw the grenade still. And you're going, well, hold on a second. I'm not a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist or anything else with that. I was an infantry officer. I need someone like John, and I need to get them to the chaplain and get them the appropriate help they can get right then and there. And you've got to have leaders that actually see that, and you address that right then and there. And you don't worry about the aspect of, um, am I violating their rights or anything? No, get them the help. Mm-hmm. Get them to talk to somebody that can actually do an assessment of them and make a determination of what they truly need. And where that really applies, and again, I'll jump forward 29 years, um, if I can jump to what John has done for me personally. Is that all right to jump here on this one? You go right ahead. Okay. I, this is great. I mean, and Joanne, I'm going to have a question for Joanne on this too in a second, but yeah, this <laughs> is perfect. So, so my own personal experiences, I had some issues within my own family and the aspect okay. of going um, – I had some things that were going on with my family where I needed some help from a counselor. Initially contacted the uh, military treatment facility at Fort Benning. I mean, there's a mental health crisis going on in our Mm -hmm. nation right now. There's no one to talk to family counselor. Reached out to the VA. The earliest they can see me is November 19th. I still have that appointment. I don't, you know, you got to see somebody first. And then they'll Mm -hmm. go and refer you to somebody for your family. Uh, Contacted the Pastoral Institute. These are all great organizations. Don't get me wrong. I'm not busting on them at all. They're like, look, we're so far behind. We haven't even filled our appointments from four months ago. Yeah. And I'm going, what am I going to do? So I work with crew military. So I contacted one of the chaplains that I work with on post. And I said, can you get me in touch with someone over at this location? They said, yes, but I also am a counselor. So I immediately got help from my daughter right then and there. Then uh, some other things happened. And I was put in touch and John, I'm going to mess up the name. The Cross, what's the name of that oh, organization? Centerstone. 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 So Centerstone. Yeah, Centerstone Military Services. Centerstone yeah. Military Services, a 501c3, not associated with the government, but funded by Boeing, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Is, yeah. is meeting a gap that exists within our overall healthcare community itself. And they funded and said, your family gets 12 um, counseling sessions paid for, and if if necessary, 12 additional ones based upon what John determines um, to be able to help out with that. And they will see you Saturday. This was like a Thursday. They'll see you Saturday. I went, okay. This is, now we're talking turkey. Yeah. When you said you're worried about violating a right, and this is what a lot of people are dealing with, this is you're talking more in the HIPAA realm, or you're worried about let's just, you know, what are we doing I, to get no, people it, the it, service they need right away? In not, I, well, I'm not a, I'm not a yeah. doctor, so I'm not worried about HIPAA. Yeah, right. But, but, Good. You know, I love you, and I don't so, either. Yeah, that's, that's my headache. We don't have yeah. time for that. We don't have time yeah, for that. So it, it's more on the aspect of what's wrong. Let me peel back the onion. Let's figure it out and, and get gotcha, out. Gotcha. I gotcha. We don't have enough clinical psychologists. We don't have a, enough, and this is what the, the, the problem is. Joanne, I'm going to ask you, too. You know, your husband, if you don't mind, and if there's anything you're uncomfortable with, I'm not going to pry too deep here. But uh, Chuck, just he just retired. Um, it's tough. And I, I've seen it firsthand from my mother-in-law. I'm, I'm just saying, because I married into a military family. I mean, I had military people around me in my life, 
but not to this close nature. And the spouses, or you know, it could be the male or female, it doesn't matter. In this case, Joanne, uh, you're running a business, you're a fitness health guru, the whole thing, fitness instructor, trying to decompress. Um, Chuck comes back, and how many times did he deploy? I mean, it, was, it seemed like it was like my head spinning. Yeah, um, he had 15 deployments. That's ridiculous. I mean, it, I mean, it's in this yeah. day and age. And how how do you? What would you tell other military spouses out there? You hear about this opportunity with with John and what Mark's talking about. What have you had to deal with with him returning? Did he get the the before, the during, and after triage treatment to to uh, help him transition back in, or is it? Do you, did you find yourself doing a lot of that? Um, yeah, uh, as much as I'm not an FRG kind of person. Family um, readiness family. Yeah, the, yeah. The FRG stands for Family Readiness Group. Um, it's really just this, basically the spouses that kind of hang back. Um, and or, or I should say the spouses of, of the soldier. Um, and it's designed to be kind of a, a, a support group. They do a uh, reintegration and pre-deployment, um, what would you say, like uh, briefs. And they do offer a lot of programs for that if you are like um, going like before you deploy and then specifically reintegrating your soldier back into, into the um, family life. So I think from that aspect, um, uh, it kind of depends on what kind of person you are. I, 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 I was never really reintegration, and and we just did it on our own. Whether or not that was uh, the smartest thing in the world to do, uh, you know, we went through our rough patches, but made it through. Um, so, uh, I, I do think that there's some extreme value in um, the programs that are being offered here. Hundred percent. Great. Is this something that you can see that you both, you guys, this is to anybody, and I, John may jump on this one, or even Joanne too. But uh, is this something we're we're finding a problem with? That we, how do we get people that don't take advantage of these sort of things? And and that's that's the problem, I think. And how do we reach well, I mean, them? I, how do we reach them? For, I mean, for me, um, there. I, I remember, and uh, Chuck is never going to listen to this, so, so I, great. I feel yeah. like I can kind yeah. of speak a little candidly. A little Let's bit let it rip. As here. I said earlier, Mark said that we could peel the onion back. We don't have to worry about uh, yeah. worrying about HIPAA here. Let's but let's go they, for it. It'll probably get get out there somehow. Yeah. Somebody will listen to it. Um, I, I I remember back in I, I don't I don't this is a lot a long a long while ago, and it was fairly early in our marriage, and. Um, he had went on, uh, and he was with 75th, so uh, that's that's where you get the, the 15 deployments from. So there was one um, one year where it was a, a three- or four-month deployment. Um, he came home for two weeks and then turned around and redeployed again for, like, he just jumped on the next deployment. And I remember the second, the reintegration of those two weeks, and the reintegration of the following of the second deployment were particularly tough. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think that's where as a spouse um, and uh, for, for those soldiers that are married, uh, I think that's where the spouse really can reach out to um, people either in, 
in their command or um, who are friendship friends um, outside of their, their command. That I mean, I specifically remember reaching out to people who are outside of his command um, just because that reintegration was so tough uh, at that at that point. Um, if, you if, two, if you had a two week break, modest, you really didn't have a reintegration. You had a uh, mid yeah, mid tour yeah, leave and you're like, back really. Maybe it was four weeks. That, you know, it was, but it was quick. It was a it was a really quick quick turnaround. John, could Joanne have used your services? Could Joanne, would you have called if you knew about John or something like that? Would you would you have found that beneficial? Oh yeah, and um, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned. Um, you know, we've been at Fort Benning for twenty years. We're just out of like some miraculous thing from basic training all the way to retirement. Never PCS ever. So um, it, it's so at Fort Benning. I remember trying to get into um, into yeah whatever behavioral health and being told that they could see me in three months. And I was yeah, like, here we well, go. Okay. Yeah, it's and not going to help. Uh, and then and then me waiting the three months and then getting a you know a call the week before saying that they needed to cancel my appointment. <laughs> and yeah. I, I remember saying to them, well, good thing I'm not suicidal. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Oh, suicide. We'll take you <laughs> now. Hello. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So John, and, this, uh, this, it, yeah, go ahead, Joanne. I'm sorry. So, I'm... so, so at that point I, I had uh, actually reached out off post um, and taken advantage of some of those TRICARE, um, those TRICARE benefits that are offered to families. And some people are not maybe as resourceful as Joanne, John, or Mark, you know, coming from, you know, a family who has their faith, uh, you know, I'll just go right into that, because that, that, that helps the balance a little bit. I mean, you ever hear his story, and you, you can, well, I'll let you plug it in a, in a bit, Mark, but his story is so remarkable, because when his life was in the balance, he wasn't afraid, and that's because of his faith, but he oh, knew how no, to take I was, action. I was, I was not going to say you weren't I was, afraid. I wasn't terrified. Ter- you weren't terrified. It was a word you used. Yeah, terrified, right. which I thought was interesting. It, 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 it's an interesting perspective because when you're terrified, even when it comes to a crisis situation, you can't think clearly. He was able to, at least from what I've seen, from my way of listening to his story, he clearly was thinking clearly, and that's with his, his, his foundation. Really, I'll say that. For those who don't have their foundation or if Joanne needed you, what do you hope to accomplish now with your services, because I, I, there could be some good things on the horizon to make it more readily available for our men and, and spouses that we're learning from right. Joanne today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so a lot of what Joanne has, has been talking about, especially with the three-month wait, there's there's a huge gap, and there is a, a crisis within, I, w- I guess we could say DOD or VA availability of professionals. For instance, here at Poitishef in, in Columbus, Georgia, at the VA clinic there, you, you've got, I think, two psychiatrists and two counselors, and we've got tens, you know, over 10,000 patients that are actively in need. The community care network is, is useful through Optum, but it, again, is a matter of referral and budget availability. So um, a lot of us out here uh, in the, I, I like to say the civilian world, the non-governmental organization, the NGO world, um, have kind of taken it up to, to close that gap, to, to, to um, provide the counseling as it's needed. So for counseling, counseling psychology or clinical psychological approaches, when we're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, we cannot treat just the individual. It impacts the entire family. So we treat the individual 
the spouse, the children, all of them have been affected by multiple deployments. All of them have been affected by watching the no news and knowing that mom or dad are in that area when all of these things are going on. Um, there's a tr tremendous amount of vicarious trauma that kids endure just from worrying and watching the news and knowing that dad and mom are in those areas. And so our approach is more holistic. It's family oriented. So we want to um, include the entire family. We want to include the dynamics and communication factors that are contributing to issues of misunderstanding or where the veteran feels like they have to withdraw or go on the defensive. That can sometimes contribute to very, very poor, uh, I guess that's a good way to say it, very poor uh, mar marital relations. In all actuality, counseling, when we're dealing with that, we should be seeing the, the client. Now, I'm old school. I'm by the medical model, so you might hear me say patient. Um, you know, the grays there for a reason. I, I never <laughs> looked the, at it that way. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. so, so uh, you may see me use that interchangeably, but they really mean the same thing, a person that we are concerned about helping. And so the patient should really be seen, and if we're treating the family, guess what? The patient is the whole family. It's not okay. just That's one or the other or, the, or you know, the, the actual service members. So the patient should really be seen once a week. We need to get that rapport, get the trust established, get a good therapeutic alliance. And this is where everybody's comfortable with the therapist. They, they realize that there's not going to be any judgment. They're in a safe place. And what I mean by safe place is that, that they can pretty much discuss anything and know it's better than Las Vegas. What's said here stays here. Gotcha. With some exceptions. There's Going some back very, to my HIPAA thing. Exceptions. In that case, you honor the HIPAA rule there. <laughs> Make sure people so, understand it. Even though I, I, I did that in jest, I, we, we do honor that. That's, that, that's why folks may, mm -hmm. it, it could be an embarrassment thing or some people don't want to acknowledge it. Sure. Old school, though. Yeah. My father-in-law was yeah. one of them. I mean, he didn't go until he was inducted in Ranger Hall of Fame in, in 2010. That late in his life, he passed in 19 at uh, 87 years old. He... Um, he, he would, wouldn't even tell my mother-in-law. He would just end up taking a road to Tuskegee. We didn't know why. Well, obviously went to the VA, but he needed to talk to him. So mm -hmm. things came up and didn't want to talk about it. But that's the old school. I think we're – are we getting better now, though, John? Are we? Do you think – because we're, we're talking about this today. You know, I'm talking to Mark at lunch. Yeah. I mean, he's willing – Mark poured his heart on I mean, I'm honored that somebody would tell me his story. Um, it weighed on me. I mean, I, was, I really – we talked about it at lunch, and I'm like, gosh, man, I, all, I kept thinking about all day what he went through – can't even imagine. I never will be able to imagine. I'll never know. But just from that, I mean, just getting on the tip of that 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 story, I, I can't even comprehend. I guess that's the word I want to say. I can't comprehend uh, what some of these guys are going through. And oh so, yeah, some yeah. some of these stories are are outrageous. But yeah. I can tell you that um, the biggest hurdle that we are beginning to overcome is combating the stigma of mental health. Um, one of the things that I tell everybody is that the word crazy does not exist in my professional vocabulary. If I use the word crazy, I'm talking about when my kids are acting silly. Okay. okay. Um, crazy Very does fair. not exist. There's only behavior, and behavior has something cognitive and emotional behind it. And so we go to that root. It's, it's, it's not, you know, even my car tag, I'm going to laugh at it because I know Mark's <laughs> probably going to smile about it. Shrink. But if you look at my car tag, it says shrink. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because I'm normalizing the word shrink. It's not a bad thing. You're not, you know, it's not jail. It's not prison. It's not the principal's office. It's, it's not a fiat. So it's, it's normal. So when we say yeah. we're going to go see your shrink, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it sounds a lot better than saying, right. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so crazy. I got to go mm -hmm. talk to my doctor. We're not, we're not going to go there. You know, this is, right. uh, yeah. it, it's okay to, uh, you know, it helps to reduce the problem, if you will, when you start thinking about it. The, the word shrink mm -hmm. came from, I guess, 
you know, the derivative of shrink was for, for that reason, I guess, you know, assuming. Yeah. Well, the old head shrinkers, shrinkers you know, yeah. from, from South America, they talk about, you know, shrinking heads. Yeah. So they, they kind of, it was a joke that went around back in the forties and then it became something serious because the stigma, uh, it really prevents soldiers from going. And if we think about what I call TMC syndrome, and I know every veteran who's listening to this, probably even spouses too, are going to understand exactly what I'm talking about. Every time a soldier goes to sick call, no matter what the reason is, they catch mortal, you know what, mm-hmm. when they get back to their unit. And God forbid you get put on a profile that is even harder on them. So you get to where you're kind of conditioned. Again, we're going back to that SRC model. Um, you get conditioned to not want to seek help, to want to just rub dirt in it and keep going. But there are some injuries, some wounds that you just can't rub dirt in and keep going. You're going to break down eventually. Got a PMCS, the brain, as I tell them. I, I like that. Well, the TMC, break that down again. So that stands for traumatic. Oh, no, that's no. the Troop Medical troop Clinic. Medical, so okay, Troop Medical you, Clinic. You've got to go to sick call. It, it, it's just uh, even a call. You, 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 you look at the doctor going. Gotta oh, keep Bob up to speed. Gotta keep me up to speed, Jojo. I know that's right. You, Joanne <laughs> flew out a, an poor, acronym poor, right off the bat, and I'm Bob's like, I, I feel. But this is oh, good. This is this is no. It's okay. This is educating me. I worked for the Department <laughs> of Energy for a while, so we had our acronyms like Naboo, which means Nevada Operations Office. But when it comes to Military vernacular, that's why I just want to make sure to anyone else listening, besides myself. Was that, was that before the LD or prior to the ORP? Yeah, uh, what would okay, I say, Joanne? Is it prior to ROP? <laughs> <laughs> I know what PYT stands for. <laughs> Pretty young thing. That's right. That's, that's about as far as I can go, right? But, I, but you know, in, in you guys are all here today because you talk. You're, you're good communicators for communicating this. What do we have to do to – there's no way to solve the problem tomorrow, but what would you like to see? Where do we need to be a year from today from this podcast? And especially, you know, we're speaking of Alabama particularly, John, and what you do. What can we do better? What can we – civilians or other military, those who serve, those who are still serving, listening to this, What what? how can we help? Is there anything that we can do as advocates – I'll use a military term here. Ready, guys? Boots on the ground. How's that? Um, oh, yeah. How'd you like that? Yeah. So there you go. Do you want to take this one, John, or you want me to take it? Or we have probably different approaches. Um, yeah, we, we have a number of approaches that, that the uh, the society can use to support us. From my end, from, from I guess, the, the professional, the scientific side of it, I think that we should recruit and actively encourage veterans to achieve or to pursue master's degrees in clinical mental health counseling. One of the things that I have noticed, even with military spouses or veteran spouses, is when you've got somebody who's been there, who understands it, who's had to go through PCSs, who had to go through pre-deployments, who's had to go through things, even spouses um, can become much better at communicating and helping this community because it is its own culture. It has its own language. You just experience that with all the acronyms, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say we need more veteran counselors and psychologists. Um, you know, psychiatry is, is good, but the real boots on the ground, the real hula hula work is taking place with counseling and uh, counseling psychologists. So uh, from my point of view, I would love to see a nonprofit create a scholarship for master students who are veterans. That's that, a good, that, this, is, this is something we can, this is something I'll keep in my mind too. That would be a great emphasis. If somebody wants to get behind something, there's nothing more powerful then anyone, and I'm again speaking for me here at this moment, that hasn't served or not, you know, not married to somebody who's active duty, like in Joanne's case, her husband, um, that you can get behind and feel like you're doing your your part. Because there's 
there's parts of me that I, you know, after, you know, after what happened in 9-11, I had a, I had a friend who was civilian. He, he went in, he enlisted as a, I think he came in, went in as an E3 and came out as a first lieutenant and he did a few deployments, lost some guys, became a police detective now in, in Las Vegas, doing great family, married his wife he met over overseas too. So it's a great story to see that. And his father was a Vietnam veteran, but um, for a civilian part, like I think of Bobby Flores is when I was just talking about or other people, it's, it's, it, you never did serve, but it helps you feel like you're, you're helping out. And I, and it's nothing more gratifying to do that. I mean, there's, I, I never thought this is where I would end up doing more for my volunteer work. I do a lot. I mean, I help a lot of different nonprofits, but the majority of things I do is through military and in a by way of learning more about it, especially with my late father-in-law. I mean, that really kind of got me in. My my nephew was at Ranger Battalion. Uh, my my uh, airborne brother-in-law, I talked to him, but he was SF kind of guy. He was, he was Delta for a while, Delta Force. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and they all had little things to share and do. But I wanted to say this to people listening. Um, when you encounter somebody who's been in the military, and I told this to Mark, and even my, my neighbor, even my late father-in-law and my, my uh, nephew and others that would come together in a family and you marry into a military family or you're part of it, you, you sometimes you'll, they'll get together. You guys have like some kind of language. <laughs> you uh, look, you give one another, you both know, and you know what you're talking about. Just like a minute ago, like Joanne saying, I mean, I, I just, you know, I may not understand the acronym, but it's, it's beyond that. It's, there's something there when you're amongst everybody. And in the beginning of that relationship into that family or friendship with someone, I felt like I was always an outsider and maybe took it a little personal, especially in family. I thought, well, maybe these guys think I'm a pain in the ass or they don't really care for me or whatever. And I had to get over that. It, then I got the thick skin and I realized over time, it's, it has nothing to do with that. I remember Tony Maine when I was helping Tony laugh at this. I was on a conference call in time. <laughs> he didn't have his speaker on. He goes, what the hell is he talking about? Meaning me. And we're best friends. And I never, even at that juncture, I was finally like, I totally get it. I'm not, I'm not even, it didn't bother me or nothing. And in one of the girls are on the line to go, Tony, Bob's on the thing. Cause I don't give a crap. You know, I don't, you know, I'm just telling him, you know, and you just, you got to understand that and, um, and know that it's nothing personal. I know when to back away now, you know, even when I help out, we do stuff together. I was with Mike Schlitz and some other guys and they were talking about the days when we're overseas. And it was just one of those things like in a movie, you just slowly fade back. I'm like, okay, my part's done here. I don't have, cause I don't want to say anything gratuitously or just, you know, say things that are just ad hoc or filler. It's like, okay, I'm done. So let me back out, but know that the stuff you do, the veterans really appreciate it. And there's nothing better when a veteran will tell you, cause Bob, you don't have any idea. And it, it makes me feel good, you know, and, and, and vice versa. So when you can do these things or redirect somebody as a civilian is what I would say to your services counseling, you know, by veterans for veterans. And I love your approach and what you're saying is that the Alabama Institute is one, for example, for behavioral health, and, and, you know, and, and um, just any kind of research that you guys are doing to find out how we can improve the lives of these families and get them all together as a unit and, and let's make a difference. You can direct them there. Do anything you can. Be involved. Contribute even. Even if you're someone who's not a good communicator, even financially help out these nonprofits and see what we could do. But to start something like a master's program would be fantastic. If there's anyone listening, yeah. let's jump on board with that idea because I think that would be great and, and and certainly see what you can do. And I know through, you know, exercise and fitness and all that, these are there's different ways, but not every person, you know, Mark's dealing with, you know, he had his your hip and, you know, he's big, you know, he's, he's you know, think about all the stuff right, he's been doing, replaced. jump in, hip replaced. And, and um, but if you look at him, he looks completely fine to me. He looks like he can take down a grizzly bear, you know, but. 
but it, but you guys have been through a lot, physically and mentally, and um, and I, I think this is a, a great thing. And and Joanne's perspective too. Again, Joanne, I want to try to learn more. You know, I, I as much as I've known Joanne over these years, I, I I understand I can glean some of the times Joanne when we would do our the triathlons in the morning. You're 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 putting on as a director, and I'm supporting, and 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 I can see. It's amazing how you handle. I'm, I'm real proud of you, Joanne. I never really tell you this, but for your age and the stuff you've been doing, it because I've known you. You don't tell a woman for your age. Yeah, you don't I was see. About to say you're in the doghouse yeah, now. Could, now well, I better get some help <laughs> for okay, that. Bob, Bob <laughs> opens, opens his mouth like that all the time. You know so. that, and I could do that with Joanne all the time. Although I will say, <laughs> I do know Joanne's age, but I, but, but it's, it's, it's remarkable to see, and, and, um, and, 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 and Joanne, if you had a couple words too to, to share with anybody out there, any spouses, what would you, what would you say to them if they're considering a divorce or considering just let this thing go? Because you know, a lot of these women who marry a guy, you know, c- love of countries first, and then they got they have to understand that if you're going to marry into a military family, you're gonna you have to be there when they get home, um, and th- that's a critical role. I mean, these women are really they're there to hold a household together. But let's you know, what would you say to them that are thinking like, I can't deal with this, I got to go because that's the first thing somebody's going to say, you know. And I've seen it. Um, my mother-in-law talked about it many times. How many times he went. Three tours of Vietnam. He didn't have to, but he had to keep going back. Um, and she said, I was almost done with him, you know. But so how do you, what would you advise somebody that's on the um, brink of? Yeah, you, uh, uh, the, use the use the services that TRICARE provides you uh, to, I mean, there's no shame in the counseling game. And it's, uh, I actually still go to my counselor once a month. It is the highlight of my month. Okay. So, I mean, it's like I can go and, and it's not, it has nothing to do with PTSD or, or anything really. Um, stay connected. Uh, 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 what's that? He says stay connected. That's perfect. Is that- oh yeah. Stay, con- stay, stay connected. I mean, it has nothing to do with the military at this point. At this point, it's just, you know, business is lonely and our entrepreneurship is lonely and this is my outlet and I really enjoy talking to somebody who's going to keep it all in that room. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's so important. Um, and um, Bob's mentioned it before, but, um, I work with, a, um, uh, I guess I do a lot of training on the gym now. And I think I've handed out my counselor's card more often to all of my clients, just because it is so important that you just seek out, Somebody to talk to, regardless of whether you think you have a problem or not. So, we're going to hand out John's card today. It's going to be right here at the bottom of the podcast. <laughs> That's good, she stopped taking clients, so she said, "Stop, please stop." We can. We're going to be adding more. We got, we hope. Hopefully, we could do that. We can get more in there. But we're, you know, we'll put the information out there so people can understand. Joanne, too. Um, uh, you know, we'll have you know Joanne, of course, on our podcast. Here. she's here every week with me, my co-host here. But we can do something where, um. If you need anything, we'll put those services around. What, what would you guys suggest that we can leave for everybody? Leave for everyone? Yeah, today, just so they got a place to – not that you could take 50,000 emails here, John, not trying to add more to your well, plate. Well, I, but. I would make sure that folks understand not only John, but also the, the 501c3 that connect me, connected me to okay. John. gotcha. And being able to, you know, thank the folks that – so in this case, Boeing – you know, I, I wouldn't, even, remarkable I wouldn't even think that, you know, I w- they said Boeing is funding this. I think it would be yes, engineers. Or something. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. But but yeah. that whole I'm very entire proud of piece. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I am too. 
and I'm, f- I'm proud of the 501c3, and then I keep on messing up their name, Cornerstone or no, Centerstone. Centerstone. Centerstone Military Center. Services. Yeah, Center. and they have an Alabama grant from Boeing. There's yeah. the Wounded Warriors uh, Project as well that has, they work together. Centerstone uh, out of Tennessee that, that, and again, if you contact John, he'll walk you through the how to connect mm-hmm. all that. And he walked me through how the, all that. And I was just like, and I'm not tech savvy. And I was just like, this is awesome. This is, you know, being able to connect requirement with funding to to the actual meeting time period like that. And, and oh, great. And you, you said that that snap was actually just a couple days, three days, was it? Three days. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Three and, days. Yeah. And then the other piece, and, and again, Joanne, thank you. I'm glad my wife is not on here. Um, cause I will tell you my wife yeah. after deployments and stuff would, would open up in such a way that I probably wouldn't like it cause it takes a <laughs> while, a while to come back. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in the aspect. I had a lot of deployments early and then I had 15 months there with my wife and, and some other small ones after that. Um, but 15 months takes a, a bit of time to, to decompress. And I, and I will tell you, my wife was like, and I'm, you're lucky. We're, you're lucky. I have Jesus in my life, and we're still married. You know, because because it's true. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, from a, at least, and again, during that deployment, I was a brigade XO, so I was looking at structural aspects of 3,500 p- folks and just making sure things were working properly, etc. And where I saw the FRGs work the best was when members were actually plugged in. Okay. And meaning, you know, you you you. You don't, you're not, you know, the devil wants us to be alone. And I'll, and I'll go with the religious aspect. That's on okay. This. You um, paint the picture. But you've got to be able to come together, be willing to share together, understand your own vulnerabilities, share those vulnerabilities with folks and be able to deal with it. Because if you are just like, hey, man, you know, I need to do this by myself. Well, OK, good luck. You're putting your faith in yourself. There you go. Well, and, yeah. and yeah. you're you're going to yeah. screw this, this, this up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You can't do it yourself. And, and, and then, oh, yeah, yeah. I've. I mean, a hundred percent. Even though I'm not, a, I'm not an FRG person. It is a surround yourself with like-minded people. Right. I mean, it's not that uh, you know, people at our gym. There's a very heavy military spouse network. So um, I do. I just to give you kudos on that point. And find some, find something that works. Okay, and it you know, does yeah. for you. Could see it in Joanne's yeah. case. I could tell you her business is a success. There's so many of these gyms that pop up all over the place. Her CrossFit is a success because I think, you know, it's not like your your niche or your boutique type gym or whatever is more than that. She's got a network of, like she said, a lot of spouses and even, you know, men that are still active duty too. It's a family when you walk in there, definitely. And she's got women working for her and it's a, it, it's a great camaraderie and people understand. And I think they're all gravitating word of mouth. They see it and, she, and where she's, her location proximity to Fort Benning, Georgia has been uh, good if I'm saying the right I'll thing. Have to get the card later. Yeah, get yeah. her card later. No, it's a, yeah, she's, she's it's a great place to uh, to 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 do that. And I think again, it's like that meeting place. Like um, like I said, like Dar- I'll give Darby's another sh- shout out here. Darby's War Support is to uh, you know bring people together and listening to one another and maybe identifying something that somebody may need and 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 help them out. Um, and you know, and I, I want to bring the civilians into this too. So I just want them to understand. Because I didn't understand, and I've been into this now probably late, almost thir- not quite 30 years, but, you know, 26, 27 years before I even got married to Teresa, um, that I understand it now, finally, and, and it, it clicked in. But I really didn't understand before I moved out. I mean, I just didn't realize all the, 
you know, what was going on. And, and of course, in modern day, 9-11, really after Gulf War, but really 9-11 really uh, ramped it up and, and um, deployment, 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 which is crazy. I mean, maybe they should have six battalions instead of three battalions. But, I mean, you almost need to, you know, where the war on terror was. So it's um, it's a new thing and and, um, and and remarkable that, what you know, you guys have contributed and try to help out. So I hope everyone could do that. I'm going to wrap this up a little bit here so we're at 45 minutes. But I want to make sure, John, is there anything else that you'd like to just make sure folks understand? Yeah, well, there's one plug-in I'd like to put in. Sure. Is, um, over at Phoenix City at Post 135 for the American Legion, they've sponsored uh, me uh, facilitating a veteran support group. It's not specific to any diagnosis. It's a veteran support group. So every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, uh, we meet at that post. It's on 13th Street, 511 13th Street. And we meet for two hours, and we discuss whatever topic comes up with whatever member um, and we go through that together. And one of the things that I think is really fantastic is when you've got people in a group, like you spoke earlier, they're speaking the same language. They're always sharing, oh, well, I went through that. This is what I did for that. Oh, and I had this over here, and this is what we did. And then so we kind of help each other. I've had uh, some breakdown, and the whole group come together. We usually have about 12, maybe 14 people at a time there. So you're always welcome. And if it gets bigger interest, we'll break it up into different group times uh, but I would love to put that out there because we've had great success with that so far, including don't one. Do yeah, don't do it. That's a good way to end it. It's really good. Don't do it alone. And I want to thank all three of you today, um, all of you, for your service, Joanne included, because, you know, the, the spouses are uh, sometimes get overlooked, and you know, kind of the glue. You know, when Chuck comes home, you know, you know, stuff's going to be organized <laughs> and, and, you know, that's and, a division commander of the house. Yeah, dude, that's pretty <laughs> much a division commander. That's it. I can make up DC. She's the DC. She's a DC, Dep- you know, deputy commander, deputy commander there. Oh, that's what it is. Um, I'm wearing, uh, it's getting close at the time of this podcast. Veterans Day is right around the corner. I have Mogadishu mile here. I got wear my shirt. I have done it every year. I've been honored at the, uh, 75th Ranger regiment. They, they let me come in and kind of host the event and, um, they had me come back again in 2022. So that's, that's great. Um, I pick uh, Mark's brain again to get some other little tidbit of facts with Task Force Ranger in the day that we remember uh, our fallen, uh, you know, uh, veterans uh, that are there. But it's really a day to honor those who, who made the ultimate sacrifice on that Mogadishu Mile uh, day. And Mark was part of that. You were part of it as well, John. Uh, both you guys, thank you so much for what you've done there. Tactically, it was it was a success. Politically, as we all know, it gets things get sticky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can say that for you all. <laughs> I can say it You now. can say it now. You're retired. And um, right. and, and I was going to say, too, if you want to learn more about Mark and, and, of course, John, too, Mark, tell them about your – you got a nice YouTube. It's real quick, but I want people to, in the civilian sense, to, to get, just get in the space of that for a minute. Tell, tell us what that is, where well, they can find it. Well, I'll, t- I'll say that there is something easier for them to find okay. on, on Amazon Prime. It's called Black Hawk Down, The Untold Story, and it was released in 2018 by Randall Larson. It's focused really on – the rescue elements from 10th Mountain that were fighting to go in and deal with stuff. And I was a, I, had, I had the opportunity to be, or the honor of being a part of that particular portion. And a very huge part of that as well. And, John, I know you, you, you both uh, suffered some injuries, and uh, you, you would never know it. And um, you guys are remarkable heroes, and you always will be. Appreciate you all. And, Joanne, too, you're my hero as well. So thank you, all three of you guys, for 
for doing what you're doing. And uh, again, uh, we're going to have more coming up here at WRBL.com. You can see it all the time. You won't see Joanne this time because she was on the road. <laughs> on the road again yeah. with Joanne. And, and this time not doing an Ironman. And uh, I think she's just getting decompressing. Speaking of which, she's going to do a little of that. And we also, also want to tell you guys, you can get on, of course, social media. We're talking about, uh, you can get it over here on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are some places to go. Spotify, Apple. Uh, Audible, iHeart, uh, and those are other areas you can get the audio files. And coming soon, maybe on YouTube, we're going to be trying to get that. Lewis, our director in-house today. Thank you, Lewis, for coordinating this to make it all happen, to get Joanne on the road and get John. Uh, yeah, John, go Lewis. You know, yep, go Lewis, you said. And uh, we'll see you all next week. So thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week here on the Bob Jeswold Show.